1: Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. As we head into Hour 2, it's a delight to bring back my dear friend, our good friend, George Kellogg from the Resolute Group and Data Orbital. He's been on the road, so we've been missing him as all kinds of politics has been taking place, and we want to catch up with George. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the country. It is
2: always good to be on, Seth. Good to see you.
1: We opened up a little bit of an oyster that you're familiar with, uh, with the callers in the last hour, and we still have a couple callers. Might we start with them and then we'll get into some other funds? We'll take, we'll double team them. How's that, George? Uh, John is in downtown Phoenix. You're on with me and uh, George Kaloff. Welcome, John.
3: Hello, Seth and George. Um, thank you. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Hey, um, Seth, I just wanted to mention briefly, I just got done reading two books, and you are. Your uh, Claremont College, uh, is it Claremont McKenna that you went to? Uh, I'm an old
1: Claremont guy, Claremont Graduate School, Claremont Undergrad, and then I affiliate with the Claremont Institute.
3: That's right. I read the book The Ruling Class, Angelo Cotavia, and I read this uh, America's Cultural Revolution, Christopher Ruffo, and both of them... uh, uh, gave thanks or reference to your, to your school. Oh, well, that's great.
1: Uh, Cotavia, uh, has long been, he never taught, uh, if he did teach in Claremont, it would have been many, many years ago. Uh, He did study there under Harry Jaffa, and then he went on to teach at Boston university for many, many years, but he affiliated with the Claremont Institute, uh, was a consultant, I believe with the CIA and if at one point, uh, a hell of a mind, uh, and I think Rufo did a summer fellowship there once. All, all smart people.
3: Excellent, excellent. Um, and I, and I'm reading also p- for a recommendation from you one time. But I'm reading, uh, beginning to read, or I'm into it about I don't know 100 pages of Federalist Papers. Yeah, a little bit of a, a little bit of a slow read. Yeah, it's good. Uh, but, uh, it's good. Excellent. And I do I do have uh, um I do have Mark Levin's book certainly the Democrats. Uh, the Democrat book. Yeah, it's a, great,
1: it's a great book. Pay a special attention to Chapter 3 uh, of Mark Levin's book. It's it's particularly special. And the Federalist Papers, to, take your time with them. Take your time. But, my gosh, uh, if we can get—and I think George might agree with me— if we can get every conservative to read those again, we'd be a much better people. Well,
3: yes. that and that's why I'm calling you. Okay. But I'm becoming, I'm becoming more and more—and you too, George. I'm sorry. I've spoken to you one time before, George, when I called in— um, but Seth, I'm becoming more and more conservative just because I hate this uh, socialist communism yeah. uh, and, and uh, dual justice system and everything that's going on. Yeah. I am becoming so so conservative, and, and that's where I wrote this down before. And I was going to call in, and then following you know your uh, uh, your intro today, your monologue, and then Joe calling in, I thought I've got to call in because you know I have it written down right here, but. And I want to learn from you. Your whole thing about classes and sessions, now here's for you and George to teach me But bit. Um, so, so, okay, let's look at the spectrum of Republicans or Republicanism. You've got, like, at the top, let's say you got, like, Reagan-Goldwater, you know, very conservative. Um, and I'm guessing this pertains to maybe interpreting and implementing of the Constitution. But you got Reagan-Goldwater. Then you got these other groups, which I, I barely understand where they're coming from, but Bush and Cheney, the Bush families and the Cheneys. And then you got the ultra rhinos, which, uh, y- you know, and you got people like uh, McConnell and, and Romney who who just drive me nuts. I mean, anything that and, and you've got even within there, you've got McCain, who did he not vote for Obamacare, maybe to stick it to was it Trump or something? No. I can't recall but, um or not Trump. He I voted not was to it?
1: repeal it, uh, to stick it. Yeah. Mm hmm.
3: That's right. That's right. Which was, oh, my gosh, you went with that rather than the, 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 the party. You you went against the party because maybe there were some personal vendetta or something. But anyhow, what I want to know is how do these groups differentiate? What are their what are their end goals? And the thing I see with, like, you know, the Bush is friends with the Obamas and uh, good friends with Michelle Obama. And, and you have McConnell saying all the time about uh, compromise maybe we could meet in the middle are you kidding me Meet in the middle with radical radical left um, uh, but, All right. no if, i, 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 I gonna... got,
1: I'm picking up what you're putting down I think George is too John uh, so last let me let, let me last turn thing. it over and to then George then <laughs> let me give it to George our guest thing. lecture last oh yeah go ahead go ahead it. okay go ahead last thing yeah
3: I think the ruling class fits in there because it's like are the bushes and the Cheneys and 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 the McConnell's and the Romneys is this the ruling class? Okay. We got our money. We got our multi-millions. We got our investments in China and wherever else. Don't rock the boat. Our families have a good, we've had it great. Uh, uh, don't rock the boat. Okay. So we don't want radical. We don't want the tables overturned uh, as Jesus Jesus did. Um, so so that's where it is. Again, if you guys could explain... Yeah, yeah, before, yeah. I know you've
1: given time. us a lot to talk about, as much as to think about. Uh, I'm going to put you on hold just to make it easier if you want to clear your throat, but I'll come back to you in a few moments if you're willing to stay, and I'll throw it to our guest lecturer, George, for a moment, and then I'll, I'll rebut or
2: respond or whatever. Sure. So, I mean, a lot to unpack, but two points that I would focus on. And, John, you hit it at the end of your commentary. And as a, as someone who's a student of history, and we all should be students of history... We know in any, in any revolutionary uh, setting throughout history, and we see it today, whether it's armed or non-armed, that those individuals in power and those individuals with means and money and wealth, uh, those individuals in business and in control don't want to rock the boat because they want status quo. Because even if the status quo is not amazing, they know, right, the evil that you know versus the evil that you don't know, like all those sayings, That's why we got all those sayings because this is, you know, these are things that have been passed on in history. And so you're, you're correct. There are individuals in this country who look at, um, with some level of disdain, unfortunately, to rank and file Americans that have certain beliefs that they deem to be too controversial. Beliefs on abortion, beliefs on religious freedom, beliefs on where parents should be able to educate their children. Um, Mainly it's on cultural and social issues. I don't think that, you know, obviously they all agree that they want low taxes to the most part. And they look down upon them and they say, well, look, if you're in power, you're going to rock the boat. If you're in power, people like me aren't going to be in power. And that was the big thing. That the Donald Trump presidency did for four years was put in place people that had not been in power for a long time, if not ever, and it changed the narrative it changed the narrative I mean that is the biggest deal that we are that we're seeing here, and again, it gets very complicated and who is or is not in the establishment look there's people that are super conservative that can be in power, and then nonetheless you have similar dynamics right because when you're not in power. You want to revolt to get in power. But when you're in power, you have to behave differently. Why did the Tea Party do the way that it did? Why did George Washington serve as long as he did and then take it to someone else, right? Revolutionary leaders are very rarely peacetime leaders. It's very rare because it takes two very different mindsets. I'll,
1: I'll good, 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 George. And, John, let me mm-hmm. weigh in on that too and maybe even be a little repetitious and maybe also controversial. Um, this has always been with us as a Republican Party. Uh, just to remind some of the stuff I was saying in the first hour, you think about our greatest heroes. I think you clicked off the name, ticked off the names of Goldwater and Reagan. Throw Bo- William Buckley in there as the uh, intellectual, uh, perhaps uh, founder of that modern uh, conservative movement, and in some respects, modern Republican Party. They were always challenging the establishment. Buckley started National Review and uh, the modern right. Up. A, up and over to challenge the Republican Party that was dominated by the Dwight Eisenhowers and the Richard Nixons. Uh, Funny anecdote, when Richard Nixon as president... Uh, was going to put William Buckley uh, as a uh, delegate to a United Nations commission. His chief of staff called Mr. Buckley and said, before we go forward with this nomination, is there anything you've done to embarrass the president? Meaning Richard Nixon. And William Buckley, without missing a beat, said no, but the president's done an awful lot that embarrasses me. Uh, that that, but but also to the Goldwater campaign and Revolution of sixty four. You know, up against same family Romney up against Scranton of Pennsylvania, up against the Rockefeller wing of the Republican Party, and Reagan challenging Ford in seventy six, and Reagan challenging. The interesting thing is, we've always had this challenge. William Buckley has an interesting, I think, equation about Republicans, and it's this: it depends on an in, uh, on a, on, a, on an indefinite article. He says. There are someone is there. There are candidates who are a conservative, and they are candidates who are conservative. Someone like Ronald Reagan or Barry Goldwater in his time was a conservative. They are a conservative. Others are just conservative. That is to say their temperament is more conservative and they would probably vote with where we believe 80 percent of the time if not leading us 98 percent of the time as opposed to a Democrat or a liberal. Someone's conservative or a conservative. Now it's hard to find those that are in that second category. They come around rarely. Donald Trump himself you know, kind of moved more conservative as he went along because it was really up against the establishment, as he went along. I don't know how you would quantify um, Ron DeSantis to a lot of people in the Republican Party. He's a rhino. I can't understand that whatsoever. I get that he's against Donald Trump, but when you look at his policies and his programs, by no stretch of the imagination is this man more liberal than any Republican I can think of. Um, And then the last thing I'll say, and I'll give you another word on this when we come back from the break, John, is this and this is a controversial thing, but I think I'm right. When you go back to 2000 and think of the George W. Bush candidacy for the presidency, he was pretty conservative given that time. And if you want to, just remember how much the left freaked out about this evangelical Christian from Texas. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. George Kaloff from the Resolute Group and uh, Data Orbital is my in-studio guest. We'll talk politics. We'll take your calls. And we were talking with John just about uh, antagonisms within the Republican Party uh, yeah. vis-a-vis conservatism and the conservative movement as part and parcel of it. John, we you, you gave us a bunch to, to chew on. We tried to chew uh, some of it up. I wonder yeah. if you have any further thoughts or arguments, disagreements or—
3: no, I thought it was great. Um, I thought it was great, guys. It, that helps educate me a bit. I did write down a couple of things here. Um, first of all, uh, Seth, I would say, was that the, the Peter Paul Mary version on my phone? I couldn't hear. Absolutely, it and
1: uh, a Bob Dylan song made famous Seth. by Peter Paul and Mary. Yes,
3: communist wasn't one of the. if not all, but wasn't uh, Stucky maybe communist? <laughs> uh,
1: no, hold on, Yarrow would have been the probably far most lefty. Believe it or not, uh, Stucky was a born is a born again Christian.
3: But I almost thought he was almost in the Communist Party. But anyhow. Anyhow. uh, But... I love them. If we, I Yeah, I
1: mean, if we're going to do that to our musicians, no, <laughs> that's, no, I'm not going to have very say, good bumper I music. You, I
3: heard you say that the other day. <laughs> yeah. that, Seth, I wouldn't be playing my Bob Dylan. Uh, I understand. And, then, <laughs> yes. and I love Dylan. Okay. And and you know what? But I'll tell you what. I've moved away from Springsteen, man, and I love early Springsteen. I get it. So, I yeah. mean,
1: some of them, uh, yeah, some of them require an exception to the rule. I get it. Yep. I get it.
3: Okay, you guys. Seth, it's the level of right
1: obnoxiousness against... about it, I think. I think that's what
3: Yeah, I wrote down a few things. Uh, I did write that. I think that some of these Republican leaders, though, have been like egregious traitors and and certainly not like lockstep Democrats. You don't see the Democrats uh, 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 betraying each other, much like you see our our Republican leaders betraying each other. Um, Seth, when you say the 80 percent, I mean, but I still write down the examples. Is is Romney really 80 percent? I wrote down uh, you know the Bushes. They, they certainly get way out of line, and how they've gone against Trump. They'd like to throw him into prison for life. And and what kind of Republican is that? These guys who want to throw Trump in in prison for life. And um, the January sixth. And I'm going to call it Seth, even though you have media matters possibly listening to you. The January sixth farce. The farce, which was which was infiltrated with tons of CIA and FBI cutting fences and waving people in. And who was the guy who just got the uh, uh, misdemeanor sentence? What was the guy's R- name? Ray, Ray Epps.
1: Epps, probably.
3: Yeah. Misdemeanor. Yeah. Misdemeanor. Okay. But anyhow. J- uh, I just for the record, almost... you and
1: I may disagree on some of this, although not on Ray Epps. But go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead.
3: Well, well, well there was, that, there, was uh, there is on film, I guess, FBI or let's, CIA let, let's FBI move on. Cutting, go on. cutting the fence. Go on. Okay. Yep. So um anyhow oh and I watched something last night. I watched uh the railroading of Paxton with the uh, uh the Tucker Carlson interview of Paxton. Did Understood. you uh, did you that? Yeah, I'm aware that of
1: yet? it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Yep, yep. Um so anyhow um I don't know. Just just very frustrating. Yeah, no it is. The... It, it
1: it it's all very frustrating and it's and it's and it's frustrating. But it's always been frustrating. I mean, as I was saying, this has been going on in our party and in our movement for many, many years. Um, And and that's why my plea has been that when the more moderate uh, candidate wins in a primary and we conservatives do lick our wounds, it's time and then lick our chops. It's time for that shoe to be on the other foot, because still, I mean, you know, there's no question, but for those moderate republicans or whatever they want to call themselves who sat out this election or voted for the person with the D behind their name they have the most liberal president in the white house and the most liberal governor in our state house in america's history and to the degree that they're okay with that is the degree that becomes very difficult to define what makes you a Republican other than if it's about personalities. Because if it's a per- about personalities and not principles, it's about something much less important than your country and your community. But I'll throw it to George for any comments he I, may have on I, this. I
2: mean, I mean, look, I, I mean, I agree. We, we have a lot that we're contending with as a nation. And if we are not the party that stands by values and stands by actual truth, where we know where that comes from, eternal truth. And if we're not the party that advocates for that, people misunderstand. There are some people definitely on the left, even though on the far left, I think they get this in their regard, even though obviously we disagree wholeheartedly on almost 100% of issues. People think that some of the stuff that we argue for, because it's some of the things that they argue for, and it's why they do certain stuff, is because of political expediency. And if like, you're the head of a certain business organization, I mean, yeah, depending on who's in power, you have to function with that person in power. That's not why I believe in the sanctity of life. That's not why I believe in the ideals that, that a parent should be able to educate their child in certain ways. Those are beliefs that I have no matter who is in power, no matter if it does or does not serve me well right that's the conviction that i grew up with being someone who's an immigrant from the middle east and the civil war and everything i heard from my parents we don't have to get into that now but that's right that's the purpose we don't believe things because they're they're popular or not popular we believe things because they're true correct and are truth that's right right that's right that's right and 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 it's worth pointing out
1: that the republican party began in 1856 in its first platform reincorporating the declaration of independence and its attestation to those truths i still believe that it is A party that should maintain that. And it's been a struggle uh, ever since Lincoln as to whether it would be that party. Um, Okay, people can call in and weigh in on this. But I know, George, you also came in with a suitcase full of things to talk about. Let's talk a little bit about um, let's talk a little bit about where we are. There's going to be a presidential debate uh, next Wednesday at the Ronald Reagan uh, Library, uh, excuse me, at the Ronald Reagan Museum and Library and the polling is kind of interesting for as much as um as 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 we've thought about certain policies Donald Trump isn't moving down if anything he's moving up uh if anything Ron DeSantis is moving down particularly in New Hampshire uh this this race is far away but i don't know the objects in the front uh, in front of us in the headlights are a little closer than than they may appear if you look at a calendar huh
2: yeah, we uh, we spent a lot of time in the lead up to the first debate when you and I talked yeah. about the dynamics of this race and the weight that there was on the first debate for Ron DeSantis. Yeah. And, and candidly, while of course there's a lot of chatter about the presidential race, I, I actually don't think that there's as much as people think that there is and that there should be. And this is coming from people like us that are in the bubble because not only are there a lot of controversies and things to talk about, but it's kind of... I think it feels to certain people like it's just set because how do you come uh, – how do you uh, get over a 30 percent plus margin nationally and in a lot of these key states? The commentary around uh, DeSantis has changed completely. Yeah. It, it's it's not that he's like discredited per se but it's not it's not the same – he doesn't have the same um, oomph or focus that he did uh, six months ago. There's just no way around it. Fewer uh, people in your business are
1: saying it's a long ways away. Fewer right? people, because are it's that. not
2: anymore. Yeah. I mean, we're yeah. in September now. Yeah. The Iowa caucus is around the corner, and yeah. we all know we lose the time essentially between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so, it is much closer uh, than they appear. And again, for all intents and purposes, I'm not seeing what is is even remotely changing the trajectory of this race at this point.
1: <clears throat> in front of the last debate, some of us, I think you and I and you you, you included, were saying that. Ron DeSantis has to do something in this debate. That last debate, he has to do something, and it didn't really happen. Um, he was fine, but he needed to be better than fine, at least in my in my opinion. Um, this next one, I I don't know how many more of these we can say that about for those that support that candidacy. Uh, let me take the quick commercial break. We got calls. We got you got a lot more to talk about too. So we'll do all that on the other side of this break. Seth Leibson and George Kalof six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. George Kaloff is in studio with me. Happy to take your calls. He is the uh, president of Data Orbital and the managing partner at the Resolute Group. A lot going on in Washington, too, George, yeah? Y- yes, I like
2: the peppy music, by the way, to lead into our conversation like about that? Washington. Because it felt the, like we were on a... Yeah, that's
1: Al Hurt with his double and triple tonguing for the theme song to the Green Hornet. Yeah. What more can I tell you about? Man, we that. should play trivia together. Yeah, right? we could.
2: Um, it, yes, lots going on in Washington, and, and let me uh, let me summarize it the best way that I can in a in a way that I hope is a, is a bit unique than if you just turned on Fox News or whatever and was were reading about it. Um, we cannot seem, and this is not a this is not saying necessarily I or do or don't back a continuing resolution or what's happening, but we cannot seem to get it together as Republicans in any direction that we want. And so the fear is, and I once had a um, political science professor um it, at ASU, who ironically, even though I'm sure he was a left, he was bemoaning, uh, he was saying like, oh, compromise or bipartisanship, what we've been talking about. He's like, then I don't know who to blame because if it's a smorgasbord of stuff that gets put in, then who, who? how do we know what it is? Do we blame the right or the left? And then it just becomes an amalgamation of stuff. And frankly, that's kind of what we ended up happening to a degree with some of the Obamacare pers- you know, perspectives and other sort of big entitlement programs. And so to apply that theory here, we just need to – we need a direction for the party to then be able to provide a direction for the country – but there's no one force right now in the party, and I think everyone in every quadrant would agree with this, that's dominant. And, and D.C. is no different. I mean Speaker McCarthy has absolute yeoman's work to do with managing the caucus, not because there's a couple of rabble rouses or not, but because there's very strong and very distinct and very far-apart groups very much so. This isn't just a Freedom Caucus thing. This is a Study Committee thing, and this thing, sure. And in general, people. It's
1: a great ha- point. I mean, right.
2: there wouldn't be a Freedom Caucus if the Study Committee were getting it done, and there wouldn't be a Study Committee if, if other people in right, exactly. a Tuesday right. Group, right? I mean, right. everybody has an right. acronym in D.C. and you know, but but none of them are like we're not talking like one or two people. We're ta- almost talking like a parliament in Europe, yep. where you have like five or six or seven or ten or fifteen parties that you're cajoling together. Mm-hmm. We we don't have that mindset because we have two parties in in America, but it's kind of like it, that. It's a, we might as well almost. We that's do what, yeah. because we have distinct subparties within parties, yeah. and that's my biggest, um, my my biggest depressing thought about what's happening in D.C. Sure, if there's a shutdown that happens, there are a lot of political implications there. But it's the perspective that no one's winning the dominant vision casting, and I think if and when we retake the White House, that that individual, you know, we both think that the nominee is going to be Trump. So then, conceivably, it would be Trump in the general. That we can then agree. But because it is him, I don't know that some of these individuals will then fall underneath this vision. So either they're going to find themselves a new party. Yeah, who knows? New, no labels. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit or whatever they do because we need a clear direction. We need a Ronald Reagan type to come in and really or, – or what Obama did to the left. He, he, Reagan brought everybody together, not into perpetuity, but in that moment and said, this is the direction of the nation. Even if you weren't a conservative, I'm not trying to be all Pollyanna about it. Of course, there were problems and dynamics, but you don't win by a landslide margins. You don't carry the weight that he does years after he's passed away if you didn't bring people together.
1: Right. It's a fair point. And, you know, that will be the challenge for the party if and God please when the Republican nominee does become the president of the United States. Because if it is likely, as you say, Donald Trump, he will have probably the most difficult Uh, challenge as a Republican president in having uh, the ability to coalesce uh, uh, the bulk of the party along with him. I mean, he had a problem last time, the leaks out of the administration, the dissensions within the administration. Even the last time was difficult. It'll probably be more difficult now. Governing is going to be very hard uh, Charles de Gaulle said about France: "It's nearly impossible to govern a country with 186 different kinds of cheeses." I was thinking about that with regard to where we are now. Did I get the number wrong, David? Is it 186? It's a famous quote. I just may have gotten. I, I, I didn't bring. I, I, many know I'm math-addled. It may not have been 186, but that's the point. And we have we have that problem now. But there's also the problem with, I mean, <clears throat> George. It's a problem with the element that doesn't get its way in the election, whether it's in the primary or whether it's in a leadership battle. I mean, the degree to which division helps the other side is the degree w- is the degree to which we will not be able to be a governing majority. I-, I, I, I'm, I'm against this kind of civil disobedience. Let me put it that way.
2: Governing is hard, and governing
1: hard issues yeah. is the hardest. All right, what's the cheese quote, young David?
3: 246 types of cheeses.
1: Charles de Gaulle said it's impossible to govern a country with
3: 246,
1: 246 types kinds of cheeses. 186 you can do. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's, that's the All right. Yeah. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 602 George Kaloff is my guest. He is uh, managing partner at uh, the Resolute Group and the president of Data Orbital, uh, I think you were out of the country when Jimmy Buffett died think most of us wanted to be out of the country when he died. We were coming in with a little Jimmy Buffett there. So in yeah, case I you like didn't those vibes, the by news. the way. Yeah, oh.
2: I, I, I did. I did end up getting caught up on. I like those more mellow vibes to end a Friday than the more upbeat one prior. You do? So, you do? If I could vote. Yeah,
1: I like that. Some people are into uppers. Some are into downers. You're in the Elvis Presley thing. You're taking uppers to take, get down and taking downers to get up. All right, George, <clears throat> let's talk about some of these issues and these these things we were talking, we were speaking about in the previous segment. Some of them are uh, process issues, but a lot of them are
2: really big, deep-down fights. Yeah, yeah. We we have an, uh, a significant amount of fights that are actually huge. They're, we're not just talking. Are we going to lower tax rates or increase tax rates? I'm not trying to discredit that. But we're talking about what it, what is the conscience of the, the, the nation in the future on the issue of life. We're talking about what should be the future of how we educate our children. We're talking about what do we do with our border and as a sovereign nation, how do we manage that? And then we find out that, that President Trump, with, a, with whatever swipe of his pen or a wave of his wand or whatever it is, is now giving, not indefinite, but a, a super extended stay of asylum or something. I'm probably butchering it for Venezuelans as an example, oh, right? President there. Biden, you mean. Yeah, yes. yeah, Biden. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry if I said Trump. Yeah, Biden. So it's, we're dealing with a lot. And we're also, most importantly, we're dealing with structurally as America— um, the fact that we're farther apart than we have been, I'm not going to say than ever, probably since the Civil War. Cause I mean, we were I'm pretty, with you on that. Right. We were pretty yep. far apart then. Mm-hmm. But we know what happened then. Yep. I'm not saying that it's going to happen now. And that now. was
1: just on one thing, by the way, one big thing.
2: But we're far apart on a lot. And so even just to boil it down on what do, what do people of faith and people that conceivably hate people of faith do? How do we all function together? Again, we've talked about these things. And so I'm saying all that to say whether you're Speaker McCarthy, whether you're a governor of a state, no matter where you are, people like you and I that are in the quote-unquote political bubble, figuring out the path forward of how we're supposed to work Alongside other individuals that not only disagree with us on a lot but but i mean truly disagree with us on almost everything and frankly probably don't even like us because they don 't like some very core tenets of 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 what we believe. What do we do with that that 's not an easy problem and so I, I don't i'm not surprised that we have this much infighting and this much you know contention because We're talking about very weighty issues that we need to sort out because we can't gloss over them. You know, it's not just the party,
1: though, either, George, going to the depth of it. You know, the party, when it was unified, was able to rely on a fairly coherent and cohesive conservative infrastructure of journals and think tanks and that kind of thing. Uh, Brain trust types, if you will, uh, uh, conservative uh, intellectual writings that came out of magazines like the National Review and Commentary and the Washington Times and the City Journal and that sort of thing, those are houses divided now, too not only against each other, but within themselves. The Hoover Institution is a mess on those fronts. Uh, Victor Davis Hanson is an outlier over there, for example. Uh, You can say that about a lot of these think tanks and a lot of these journals that have fouled their own nest on a lot of issues we took for granted as being, okay, this is why I'm a conservative. Um, So it's not just within the party. And then all these Newly sprouted conservative movements that uh, have different various names that sound a lot alike but aren't a lot alike. You know, there's there, there used to be paleocons and neocons and uh, values, voter cons or social conservatives. And now there's about eight more. I, and as you were talking, you know what occurred to me? A thought, a, a thought struck me. So it's not completely developed and I'm not sure where to go with it except to a depressive place, <clears throat> which is this. It used to be if I was defending pro-life policies, I'd be debating Democrats. Now I'm debating Democrats and a lot of Republicans, and it's interesting to me. And it's interesting to me that it's not just on the life issue. Uh, Some of it has to do with issues of race-based affirmative action. Some of it has to do with national defense and alliances and the importance of allies and 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 it's just interesting how much more debating within the conservative movement never mind the Republican party there is that didn't used to be either we lack something serious here um we la- we, we and i can't put my finger on what it is and but we do lack it
0: we,
2: yes and if it was just so let's let's pick on the issue of abortion yep. for a second if it was just about that and folks saying, well, George, you know, we can't win if we have certain beliefs. Maybe we can have a – again, even though I've said this a million times, it's – my belief on that subject has nothing to do with winning or losing. I, 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 I love you and to I win. share that belief and we also share what you're about to yes. say. I love that. I I, I mean I'd love to win. There's no one more competitive what you, than me. Yeah.
1: What, but but what hey. – <laughs> the people – what I want to say to these people then what, when
2: you win, what are you going to do? Yes. What's the point of your win <laughs> if but you're going to just penetrate the core issues? But exactly. But we're not just – stopped there. Right. It's every issue because yeah. there's just fundamental differences. So, for example, let's pick on another issue, uh, school choice. There's yeah. some people that uh, oppose. I mean, there's a former Republican legislator that came out and said that essentially he regrets his vote. Well, I'll tell you, that's Clint very Bullock popular. was
1: fighting Republicans as much as Democrats when he was pioneering this stuff in the 90s. But,
2: but, but again, but the popularity issue doesn't apply right. there. It's actually a winning issue. So right. what's your argument there? Let's talk about religious freedom and the ability for men to be men, biological men to be men, biological women to women. I know what the polling is on that. There's very few people that have polled it more. It's a winning issue. So, where are you there? It's not about winning or losing. It's about what we talked about earlier with John, which is we just need to keep things calm. Well, the problem is values and beliefs and truth are what they are. If you're going to ask me, hey, George, today we have to bend the truth because we have to keep things calm because of the benefit of whatever, what do you think my response is going to be? You think I'm going to say, oh yeah, please let's let's keep things calm and I'm going to pretend like truth isn't truth? George, do
1: the winning thing on abortion in 15 weeks for once and for all. It won't be once and for all, but one more time, please. In terms of... Yeah, where the people are when they are educated on the issue
2: of 15-week bans and abortion. Look, the, the, the people in Arizona and even people largely in America do not believe in any way, shape, or form that abortion should just be happening whenever, wherever, however. That's not a belief system. But people in America feel... And I get it, as they should. I feel, you feel, we feel for women that are struggling with this, unwanted pregnancy or whatever the the worst-case scenario that that you imagine. But they don't believe, the average person does not believe, the majority of people don't believe that we just allow it up until then. Obviously, state by state, it varies. But it is very clear that people at a minimum, in worst-case scenario, by the way, want common sense. They want common sense limitations on abortion. But the option is not, we're not debating common sense versus common sense. We're debating between allowing it whenever or not allowing it whenever. That's the argument, the argument and the framing there, the Democrats. But what's called upon us on the right is to keep fighting like heck on this, but we need to be the individuals that are supporting women through this and giving them options to be able to support and not feel like they're isolated and not have the solution just be, well, we're just going to throw up our hands and we're going to just, you know, let them do this because we know what, what happens. I mean, we know the data on this. and There's a lot of stories, more stories than we can count of the trauma that it causes women and now the harm, for example, of taking a pill and having an abortion in your house.
1: There is a reason Elizabeth Warren said crisis pregnancy centers have to disappear. There is a reason. Don't forget it. We'll be right back. I want to thank George Kaloff for being my uh, guest this hour. Uh, George, thank you. Uh, as we close out the hour on this, let me turn things to an op- uh, at least a potentially optimistic note here. Um, when we were growing up and obviously for years before that, the notion that a self-declared socialist could be elected anywhere in America uh, would have been laughable. And um, there are no doubt in my mind uh, more Marxist socialists self-identified and otherwise now in this country than at any time before, including – I've said this all week, including then during Joe McCarthy and including before and after the fall of the Berlin Wall and the immediate aftermath. When you look at what the left is doing in this country and to this country, it's a surprise to me that we are not an 80 percent – which might be an exaggeration, a Republican or conservative country. But here's where the optimism is. We should be, but we also could be, it seems to me. And I'll throw it to you as yeah. the kind of data and
2: party guy to sort that out. Yeah, yeah. So I i, I never like, because I mentioned to uh – uh, mentioned to you off air. I never like to leave, n- not because it's just a Friday, but just in general. Uh, we're talking about very weighty things, and yeah. any time I give a speech, I always like to leave on a point of optimism, and I always preface to say this isn't because I don't understand clearly. We've spent an entire hour talking about difficulties and different things, but, but, but friends, uh, those that that consider themselves, uh, you know, speaking to to you all, uh, listening, those that consider themselves movement and movement conservatives, movement people, um. We as a movement have been through tougher times, and as a nation we've been through tougher times, and we will be through a lot of tough times moving forward. But when truth, and you said it in, in this way, when issues are on our side, when we are the party that has the better vision for this nation, it just is what it is. And the values that we believe are actually winning in other parts of the con- uh, the world as we see because those people are waking up even in far-left places in Europe. We know that truth Is eternal and we know that it will come back around, but we need to keep faith. We cannot fall away and begin to allow the creep that starts in your mind somewhere back there that says, oh, because we're losing, we have to change a whole bunch of stuff. That doesn't mean we don't talk smarter. That doesn't mean we don't change. That doesn't mean we don't adapt. I'm not saying any of that. But we cannot fall prey to giving up truth and compromising truth because others say, well, this is the only way forward. I don't believe it or that they say it's inevitable. Those are the two things that I like. Mm-hmm. We will be able to persevere and I would just give you that encouragement to stand strong and to keep the faith as we move forward. Well, we do it uh as much as we can
1: every day. Uh what's the old line uh and who 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 gets the credit for saying it? I'm trying to remember. Uh maybe maybe it was uh maybe it was St. Thomas, maybe you would know better, but uh evangelize every day use words when necessary. And that's about our movement and our party and our principles as well as it is about our respective faiths. Thank you, George Caleb. Be right back